We're back again. There's been something of a long gap, Thomas. Hello. A long gap between episodes of the podcast, you mean? That's right. Right, yes. Yeah. Mm. And people have been clamouring for more. I'm sure. <laughs> and I've been, I've had to kind of just comfort them in their distress. Well, you know, a lot of effort goes into having these rambling chats. You know, we can't just manufacture them on, on a whim. No, indeed. No, indeed. Right. I mean, the, the, the script alone, I mean, it takes hours in preparation. So. That's right. And the concept, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, here we are. And I think the idea for... November's episode is to talk about uh, an event coming up on Sunday, which is the 11th of November, which is, of course, Armistice Day. That's right, um, which is really the, the second event that interests me in November. But uh, I'm always sad that in this country we don't have fireworks on the 5th of November. Are you sad about that? Not terribly, because it's the wrong time of year, uh, weather-wise. Oh, I don't think that has anything to do with it. I just miss the, the, the crackers and the, the explosions and the fire. So what you're, of course, referring to, for those who don't know, is that in, in England in particular... And, and more importantly, in New Zealand. Oh, right. <laughs> I didn't realise it was a big deal in New oh, Zealand. Oh, a huge you're deal. Right, I mean, okay. Any opportunity to set that, things alight. Is that a Maori uh, tradition then? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, of course, the, the slightly awkward thing is that, um, you know, the historical genesis of... Um, <laughs> Of, of bonfire night is everything to do with that uh, rapscallion Catholic, Mr Guy Fawkes. Yes, it's a popish plot to yeah. blow up the Houses of Parliament. I mean, I'd prefer to gloss over all that side of it. Mm. I mean, he was just having a laugh. Well, he was just hoping to have a laugh, but mm. <laughs> that all got foiled. But that, that aside, um, the opportunity to, to let off firecrackers, I think, you know, that's a great thing to have. And the first year I came to Sydney, I was looking forward to this November because I thought, oh, we'll have to have fireworks with the choristers. They'll love that. No, no, we can't. What a, what a sad situation. But, I mean, it, Sydney is not without opportunities for fireworks. I mean, one... That's true. That's actually one of the things I have noticed since being here is that every night seems to be an opportunity for there to be public fireworks, usually on the harbour, either Darling Harbour or the main one, going boom, boom, boom. But that's not the same because I can't see it. And it's not in my garden. And I don't get the fun of lighting the little fuse and running away and seeing it go... Go so I think bang. actually what I'm hearing is that you need to move. <laughs> no, it's all the same. You have to do it yourself. Right. And um, some people grew up with, I, w I won't pretend that I was one of them, but they grew up with the experience of burning their hands on uh, sparklers. Yes. Yes. And so, so then, that's also part I mean, of it. I grew up in England and certainly in the weeks running up to bonfire night, there were advertisements and kind of public service announcements reminding people that they must wear must wear gloves when, when using the sparklers and, yes. uh, and you stay away from a lit firework and just because it appears to have gone out doesn't mean that it would and have gone course, out. And of course there are seemingly increasingly problems with people you know, behaving poorly. With, with fireworks and I see from um, from my social media that uh, even this year in New Zealand more and more people are, are questioning whether it's really appropriate to let basically idiots have um, have you know charge of, of these explosives um, but you know isn't it sad that we can't you know have fun anymore with uh, with these things um, but remembrance is something far more serious and uh, important that is coming up and it's a little bit poignant for the cathedral choir because some of us had the opportunity of going to the main theater of that war in in Belgium that's right. So the scholars and senior choristers in May were in Flanders and I had an opportunity then to visit some of the Flanders battlefields and some of the Commonwealth war graves, which I think must have been a fairly poignant experience for many of them. Yeah, indeed. One of the um, uh, choristers only yesterday said to me, did I know that uh, there was uh, a similar memorial in Melbourne? Only it's not called the Men in Gate. It's called the Men in Black. 
right. That's... I don't know what you do with that. <laughs> well, he was pleased with it. Actually, I, I was quite pleased with him. Oh, good. <laughs> How old is this child? Yeah, I think he'd be year seven. Right, right. Okay, well, that's some quality bit of punning there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. Um, but Sunday, as we were saying, is uh, Armistice Day, and this year is the centenary of Armistice. Mm. Um, and so as a result, I think all around the world, but uh, including in Sydney, there's a, a move to commemorate this Remembrance Sunday in particular. Yes, which I think is a good thing. I I mean, uh, in my former job at uh, Westminster Cathedral, and indeed in in the UK, Remembrance Sunday happens every year. Whenever the 11th of November happens, there's there's a a church service on on the nearest Sunday. Now, we don't do that in this country, um, which I think in some ways is a shame, although we have instead Anzac Day. Yes, the Anzac Day is, kind of uh, takes that role, doesn't it, yes, really, in Australia? Yes, indeed. So, but, but this year, that uh, it's, it's rather a nice coincidence that the 11th of November is a Sunday. Um, and so as part of the normal solemn mass, we're able to have uh, an extraordinary remembrance of the armistice. That's excellent. And so what's planned for that Mass? Well, the, I think in music is one of the ways that uh, it, it's possible to make a feature of, of the things that we're trying to commemorate. So the Kyrie and Agnus Dei, sung by the choir on Sunday, will be from Fores Requiem, which I think is a piece of music that you know is almost uh, synonymous with uh, this area. Mm-hmm. Um and at the offertory, the choir will sing a piece of music called Greater Love Hath No Man, um, which, of course, is about um, really the supreme sacrifice um, made firstly by Jesus Christ, but the the text um, puts us in mind of the sacrifice made uh, on behalf of us all by, by the men and women who lost their lives in combat. And then at the end of Mass, there will be an act of remembrance um, involving the memorial in the cathedral to uh, fallen um, soldiers. The, the tomb and, and of the unknown soldier, yeah. Well, it's, it's not actually it not? A, a tomb of an un, unknown soldier. It's, it's just a, a general uh, memorial to uh, the men and women, soldiers and, and sailors, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but that there'll be a wreath laid, uh, there'll be some silence, there'll be the recitation of the Ode of Remembrance, and the Cathedral Choir will sing that Ode of Remembrance um, as has been set by the composer Douglas Guest, which is a feature of um, these kinds of services wherever they happen in the English-speaking world. Indeed. So that's certainly something to to look out for. It's difficult to say uh, something to look forward to. But, uh, Indeed. Yeah. Well, um, it's all done, of course, in, in the sort of sombre spirit of remembrance, but also of giving thanks for um, the sacrifice that these people made. Um, And one thing that I have to say I am looking forward to, for the right reasons, um, at the end of Mass, um, our Assistant Director of Music, Simon Nemitsky, has um, got, I think, rather a special uh, piece of music to offer. So maybe we could ask Simon about that. Simon Nemitsky is here with us now. And uh, tell us about this piece of music that you found, Simon. Well, I was looking for something appropriate to play, something Australian from Remembrance. And I was browsing a a very comprehensive website about war composers, because, of course, there was a whole generation of composers who were either lost to war, George Butterworth, for example, and Ernest Farrer, or who were affected by war, um, like, I know, Ivor Gurney, Arthur Bliss, Vaughan Williams, even... And there was one name there, Frederick Septimus Kelly, who was Australian. 
and he was born just around the corner in Phillips Street in the in the city. He went, oh yeah, he went to Sydney Grammar School. Yeah. Thereafter, he was shipped off to England to Eton College and then to Oxford. And then he went to conservatorium in Germany. He wasn't, wasn't just a composer. He, he was a music scholar at Oxford, uh, but he wasn't just a composer. He was a very skilled oarsman as well. And he won a gold medal in, I think it was the 1908 Olympics as part of the, uh, the British Rowing Eights, I think. Right. Um, and in 1915, uh, he was enlisted in the, I think it was the Naval Reserves, along with his great friend, the poet Rupert Brooke. Ah, yes. And they were en route to Gallipoli. And Rupert Brooke never, in fact, saw active service because he, uh, on board ship, he was bitten by a mosquito and died from a resulting infection. Oof. And uh, this was just uh, off the island of Skyros. And because the ship had to leave for Gallipoli at 5 a.m., the burial party, which included Frederick Kelly, uh, carried Rupert Brooke's body uh, about, I think, about a mile into the island, into an olive grove, and buried him at the dead of night, uh, 11 p.m., midnight. And Kelly kept uh, very extensive diaries, and he wrote about this this occasion. And, uh, yeah, he wrote... uh, this was uh, on the 21st of May 1915, his diary entry uh, wrote, uh, Ever since the day of Rupert Brooke's death, I've been composing an elegy for string orchestra, the ideas of which are coloured by the surroundings of his grave and circumstances of his death. And then a little later on, after, he, after Kelly had been wounded and uh, he was recuperating in Alexandria, he wrote about the allergy. It is so entirely bound up with Rupert Brooke and the circumstances of his burial that, in a sense, I feel myself the chronicler of its ideas rather than the composer. As we slowly made our way behind the coffin to the olive grove, a particular phrase constantly recurred in my mind. The work is a true portrayal of my feelings on that night and the passionless simplicity of the surroundings with occasionally revealing of my personal anguish. Now, the, the, this piece, the elegy in Memorial Rupert Brooke, is, it's moving when you, when you hear it, but uh, knowing the background even more so. So, fortunately, the score is, is online. It's scored for string orchestra and harp, and I found that it transcribed rather well for the organ. So that's what I'm going to play after the solemn mass on that's, Sunday morning. That's excellent, and it's got a, a, a very significant story there, and I'm very grateful to you to, for having kind of done all this research, Simon. And not only the research, but also the work of actually making the transcription. I mean, perhaps if people don't know about this sort of thing, it might seem relatively stri- simple to, mm. to play the music that that he composed for an orchestra on the organ. But actually, there's a bit more work that goes into making that possible, isn't there? Oh, well, there is. I mean, it's not possible to write down every single note that the orchestra plays on the organ. You have to make certain decisions about what to include, what to rearrange, what not to include. It just so happens that this piece, most of it... um, is chordal in a Vaughan Williamsy sort of way, transfers really rather well to the organ. There are certain bits which have to be rewritten, but even so, I think it makes a very effective transcription, a very effective organ piece in its own right. Very good. And will you be publishing your transcription, do you think? We'll see. Right. We'll see. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps so. Perhaps so. We'll see how it goes on Sunday. Mm. I hope people enjoy it anyway. I'm sure mm. they shall. Thank you. So that's this Sunday, of course, but 
uh, things don't just come to a halt after mass on Sunday morning. That's uh, the, no, work, the no, work continues. Everything continues, and uh, the beginning of, of this month of November has has been busy liturgically. Um, the other important celebration um, or commemoration, in fact, was All Souls Day, the day where we we pray for all the faithful departed. And musically, it's important because, of course, there's a lot of very evocative music written um, for for. For requiems. And this year you sang the, the Requiem of Duruflet. Yes, which, um, well, uh, my colleagues and I really like the Duruflet Requiem. Um, I think organists particularly uh, enjoy that. Is that your experience, Simon? Well, yeah, I mean, I've never done it on a 20-minute piano rehearsal before. <laughs> <laughs> but I did enjoy it nonetheless. Is that, is that all you were granted? <laughs> Uh, yes, roughly. I mean, well, no, no, that's, we, that's about right. We yes. have time constraints, you know. Yeah, well, that's the life of the professional musician. Yes, but well, enjoy, of course, okay. I It's it. an involved organ part, shall we say? You could say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but structurally, it um, seems sort of appropriate this year, having gone to the Gregorian chant festival, that you know the Drouflet's music is so chant. Yeah, that's right. It's entirely based on the Gregorian chant requiem, um, and then given uh, more modern treatment in, in the way Drouflet reorganises the rhythm, but particularly in the accompaniment provided yeah. by the orchestra, or in this case, the organ. The organ yes, mm. but uh, it went well, though. Well, I think so. I think yeah. you know, the choir likes singing it, but it's interesting for all. Um, those that are involved in the performance of the Duruflet Requiem um, always seem to enjoy it. I'm not sure that it's a, a favourite of congregations. Um, every time we've performed it here, and I, might, I may have done it three or four times at the cathedral in my time here, um, I ask people what they think of it, and it doesn't seem to elicit quite the same um, response uh, amongst the auditors as it does from the performers, which I, I think is interesting. Have you got any idea why that might be? No, I don't. No. I, I really don't. Anyway. Do you know I, what people would prefer? I think given the choice, most people would prefer the foray. The foray, yeah. Well, you're giving them what they want um, on Sunday. Well, I like the fact yeah. that the... the the choir, the boys in particular, would have sung selections from both of those requiems in the last two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. Uh, so that's the beginning of November. And then, really, the next thing on our horizon uh, is Christmas. Mm, now, uh, Christmas, this is where we come full circle on the podcast. And we'll talk more about Christmas, of course, next month being December. But uh, you have a, a Christmas celebration concert we do we have a choral christmas celebration we've we've added that word in this year because um, according to our market research um, there were people that didn't know what a christmas celebration might be at mm. st mary's cathedral so we've just tried to make that a little bit clearer uh, and now someone who i think is very involved in uh the organisation of the concert is Mrs. Hannah Mrs. McCarthy. Mrs. Claus. Oh, yes. Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Claus as well. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Hannah McCarthy, who, who's also here uh, joining us today. So, Hannah, good Hello. afternoon. How are you? Good. You? Yeah, not bad, thank good. you. But She's all the best figuratively you. wearing her Christmas hat, if not actually. Yeah. I mean, I like the earrings. <laughs> <laughs> I like the beard. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah's just biding her time, I think. But I think um, so. so how? how I, I think this is just fair, though, given that you know we spend most of the day hearing Hannah's favourite Christmas carols blaring through the office. Um, yeah. what's, what's currently <laughs> top of the playlist, Hannah? Uh, Little Drummer Boy. Okay, and will um, that because be Father John says that's, that's his least favourite. That's, that's right. right. I see. So, so you're I'm getting my. That's not your favourite Christmas carol, though, is it? It is not. Carol the Bells definitely is. 
and I'm so glad that Sheridan have now made a, an advertisement that features some of our lay clerks, which I can play. I this think gives me even more reason to play it. I think it's entirely appropriate that that carol should have been chosen to advertise um, Sheridan <laughs> sheets because the music is basically a load of old flannel. <laughs> no, but you could say that Sheridan is great quality... So is the music. <laughs> so I'm I putting it on air. You couldn't say that. I'm telling you now. <laughs> one year, maybe next year, Christmas concert, Carol of the Bells. I've already asked all the choruses and they all agree. Oh, well, that's, that's excellent. <laughs> if only yeah. so this were a it democracy. is a democracy. <laughs> it is a democracy. No, no, it's a theocracy. 25, V1, <laughs> we win. Mm. Carol of the Bells, thank you. Oh, well. I mean, it's certainly, it's, it's, it's a crowd pleaser, I think. But, I mean, it's it not, is, and we're there to please the crowds. But I don't know how kind of, how much substance there is to it. It has no... None? none? No yeah. textual um, content, yeah, anything. Mm. <laughs> anything I feel like we don't it. care. We just, just want it. just ding, dong, ding. Mm. No, that is not right. <laughs> you can find a lot of videos on YouTube of people with fancy um, light setups on their houses in the United States which always seem to be accompanied by the carol of the bells. Have you, have you come across these? I what? haven't, but maybe that's something to keep in mind, that we can do that with the lights inside the crystal. Please, please don't give me the excuse to look for that in the office. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we can save some of the Christmas carol discussion for the Christmas episode uh, that's right. of that's the podcast. That's yeah. uh, I'll still be playing it then. But you are as busy as an elf, is that yes. right, with Christmas at the moment? Busy, and, busy, busy. And what's going on in the factory at the moment? What isn't going on? We are busy putting everything together, choosing the music, booking the orchestra, mm-hmm. putting, getting all the flyers ready to send out to all the mums and dads. It is quite a dads. massive uh, sort of organisational feat, isn't it, to, to bring yeah. in a concert like this on? Yeah, yeah, it's bigger than our other ones, I think, in many ways. And is that partly because you have two, the two performances, would you say? Uh, no, I don't think the two performances make a difference, really. Right. Um, it's more that this is something that we think has a broader appeal as opposed to some of our other concerts that we might put on. So it's trying to reach find, all find of these... Yeah. yeah, all mm. of these people. Everybody loves Christmas. Just got to convince them to come to our Christmas concert. Now tickets are already on sale, is that right? Yes. And how have ticket sales been going? Well, premium seats for the 7pm performance are now sold out. Sorry if you didn't get them, but come to the 11 o'clock and buy those. So shall we tell... Oh, and there are general admission seats available for the 7 o'clock yes, performance certainly. as well. Yeah, there's still plenty of those, as I understand it. Yeah. Shall we tell people about... We're talking about, you know, 7pm performances and 11pm performances. No, 7pm performances and 11am performances. That's right. As if people know what we're Do not what come at 11pm, please. No, but what date are we, are we talking Friday, about? Friday 14th of December. Friday the 14th of December. Yeah, that's right. Which is and it's the the fourth year in a row that we've been we've been doing this, and um, it's it's made possible by our friends at WN Bull, um, and uh, we hope that uh, every year, uh, if more and more people come, uh, we're able to continue to broaden. Uh, what we do in the the, the outreach of mm. our of our that's Christmas right. concert. So. That's excellent. So, um, where can people go to to buy tickets? Well, the same place where they go to listen to this podcast. That's well. Cathedralchoir.sydney/acc. Right. Nothing to do with not this. the credit report. A triple C has a good ring to it, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I couldn't remember how many C's were in it, so A triple C. Yeah, not the consumer and complaints commission or whatever they are. No. no Please okay. don't complain about us. No. Okay. Right. Thank you, Hannah and Simon, for joining us today. Special guests. I'm sure we'll be seeing more of you 
uh, and episodes to come. You'll be hearing us, but yes. That's right. It's an audio-only podcast, but um, I'll see you, though. Maybe we'll be upgraded to... To video. A vodcast. You would like that. Is that what it's called? Feedcast? Vodcast. I think it's a vodcast, isn't it? I, I think often it's just called a video podcast. But I think with this music department, we've um, got face for radio, so we might just stick with <laughs> podcast. Ah, uh, okay. And, um, but Thomas, we've got some music there, haven't we, for podcast listeners to enjoy? Yes, so this is a recording of the choristers and scholars of the Cathedral Choir singing um, Douglas Guest's setting of For the Fallen. Thank you, and until next month, goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah.